Welcome. This is the Eastern Influenced Corporate Leader Podcast, hosted by Alana Mae Mitchell, where each episode we tune in to Eastern Wisdom. Welcome back to another episode of the Eastern Influence Corporate Leader. I have a wonderful guest who we're going to be in conversation today with one of my favorite topics that I have been learning and it's so relevant to the Eastern perspective. So without any further words, uh, we have on the line Daniel Batten and I have an intro and also to share that Daniel Batten is a, just a wonderful human being. He's so lovely and I've had experiences with him before and I'm just so thrilled that he's here today. Um, so his focus is on simply being present and living from the heart. And on the topic of non-attachment, which we'll explore more, he says that ironically being unattached has spawned more big projects than ever before. The difference today is that Daniel and those around him are joyful. Today, he runs breathing and meditation courses for the Art of Living Foundation, a VC company and a coaching company. And with a small team, they've innovated how venture capitalism and coaching works because they found how the tech sector did them was beneath us, their standard. They've invested in tech for 19 years, coached more than 50 CEOs of tech companies and more than 500 scientists with commercializable IP. Nowadays, he coaches visionaries, educators, and change makers. And together they are creating measurable ripples to the New Zealand economy, both from an economic, ecological, and social perspective. Daniel, thank you so much for being here this morning. Pleasure, great to be here. I wanted to dive in. You've also in that you've done so many things. And one of those other things is you have a book, which I have read so many times mm -hmm. and I, I actually have it by my desk and I refer to it probably once a month for the last two years. I, th mm. I, I really think so. Like, and I, yeah, I people go, describe actually, it like a manual. Yeah. 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 It's so handy. And so the book is, I'll drop it in the show notes. It's, let me get this right. Um, changing the world with one pitch. I, I think at the subtitle is even a blueprint for winning at life, if I'm right. <laughs> one conversation at a time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's incredible. And one of the topics in that, which I wanted to dive straight into hmm. this morning is on non-attachment and the, particularly the role of being non-attached as a leader, as someone in business, as someone who's out there achieving goals. How have you seen that come to life, Daniel? It's been very interesting. You know, the West does a fantastic job of helping us to get clarity on a goal, right? Helping us to find a goal that is specific, something that is measurable so that we can, and, and these things are important. See, if you have a goal and it's out of focus, it's actually a little bit scary uh, because humans can only move towards things which are in sharp focus. And this, this goes back to um, an anxiety response that's been true for hundreds and thousands of years, which is if you look at a large animal on the horizon back 200,000 years ago, evolution dictates that if you can't see that animal clearly, then you should take evasive action because 
if you assume that it's your food and you're wrong, you get eaten. But if you assume in the negative, if you assume that it's going to eat you and you're wrong, all you lose is a meal. So whenever something is subtly out of focus, it creates anxiety and that creates a fear response. So bringing a goal into sharp focus is very important because it makes it less anxiety producing. It will say, oh yes, I can see that clearly. That's something that's going to be food for me. It's not going to eat me. It's not going to consume me. So this is an area I'd say the West has made a really good contribution to getting clarity on a goal and then making sure what? That it's measurable, making sure that we can't fudge whether we have achieved that goal or not. But where it's left us short is all the emphasis is on the achievement of that goal. None of the emphasis is on the journey towards that goal. And none of the emphasis is on the state in which you are in when you arrive at that goal. So the emphasis is actually on the external rather than the internal. So this is incomplete. And so what non-attachment brings to that is it says, yes, this is true. And once you have clarity about what your goal is and you know whether you've achieved it or not, then you drop it. And you focus on just taking the right next action. You focus on being present. You know, my master says, if, say you've got a goal, you want to go from uh, Wellington to Auckland or from Melbourne to Sydney, and you decide to go by car. You know, you're in that car and you don't just go, if you're in Sydney, you don't just go, I want to go to Melbourne, I want to go to Melbourne, I want to go to Melbourne, I want to go to Melbourne. Mm -hmm. You know, you won't end up in Melbourne, you end up in a, you know, in a mental asylum, right? Because it'll have such a tax on your mind, you'll be so feverishness, feverish in pursuit of that goal. So you just decide, I want to go to Melbourne, and then you get in your car, and you have the necessary supplies, you have the money to buy some fuel, and then you get in the journey, and it's done, simple. So we need to bring that same spirit to how we pursue our goals, which is we have the goal, and then we focus on taking that next aligned action. And this is what an Eastern perspective, you can say, uh, brings very much. So it cares not only about the achievement of that goal, number one, but number two, the journey towards that goal. And number two, who we've become in pursuit of that goal. So when we arrive, we're not expecting any huge joy to come from the pursuit of the goal. The goal is just an excuse for our own development, for our own evolution. And that growth that we retain is way more important than the goal itself, which was actually just the scaffold for that inner engineering that occurred. So, so this is where non-attachment can really help go side by side with a Western uh, perspective on how to achieve a goal. Wow, I find that so insightful about how the journey is even more important than what mm. you set out to do, because that's what you, as you say, become on the way. Yeah. I'd love to know more about presence mm -hmm. and how being present on that journey and perhaps you can tap in, maybe tap into some of the ways that you can increase your level of presence. Yeah. So much written about, huh? And see, one thing is we, we probably all at some stage heard, if not many times, just be in the present moment. And it's one of those phrases that sounds a little bit like if you're feeling angry and someone says, hey, just calm down. That's just, yeah, I know what I should do, but how do I do it? But in fact, uh, 
just but simply by reading about presence cannot make you present, particularly if you've been used to living in the future or living in the past. And and again, this is where the combination of presence and setting goals, they seem contradictory, right? It's like, oh, if I'm setting goals and I'm thinking about the future all the time, if I'm present, I'm thinking about right now. And yet they complement each other really beautifully. And in fact, only when you're fully present can you actually be in a state where you're most likely to achieve the goals and enjoy the journey there. Otherwise, you know, all of the focus is on what you want, but then as soon as you've got clarity on what it, whatever it is you want to create, that doesn't take that much time. And then the focus should be on, okay, what happens now? What's the next move I take? And then what's the next move? And then maybe you have some plan. And see, even planning, even when we're planning, we should plan from the present moment, right? If you want to uh, steer a ship, you need to know not only where you're going, but where you are right now. If you're not in the present moment, if you don't know your coordinates right now, how can you possibly set a bearing of where you want to go? You're, if you are not present to where you are, if you think you're here and you're actually here, then you're going to set the wrong bearing. You're going to go off course. You're going to create disappointment and underwhelm for yourself. So being present to where you are also helps you set the course, set the bearing, be present to, okay, there's some skills that I don't yet have that I'm going to need to acquire to attain this goal. That comes from being present, to being alert, to being honest with oneself. Oh, I'm going to need to talk to some other people. I need a network. I'm not going to achieve this alone. That comes from presence. That comes from introspection, that awareness. And there may be some things that I need to let go of as well. Some things which are counterproductive to the pursuit of this goal. And why do I want this goal in the first place? Why is it so important to me? See, that's what presence gives us. It gives us the ability to work out why we want it, which helps us to be more inspired towards it and truly define if this is a goal that is coming from our heart or maybe it's just some desire that has come through rubbing up on us through some social pressure or something else. So it actually helps to quarantine those goals that are really worth pursuing versus the ones that aren't. This can only happen when we're fully present. So presence is not uh, against goal setting. Presence is actually absolutely required to optimize our chance of acquiring any goal. Would you say with the goals that tune into your heart and asking your heart what you would really love mm -hmm. like i know from a corporate perspective we have the BHAG, the big hairy audacious goals and you know what i'm receiving when i listen to this is that you can have the big goals you can also mm -hmm. have the small goals in in it because what matters is who you are as you show up in pursuit or, or on the journey to those goals so is there anything that around like the rel the the relativity of the goal from where you are to where you want to get to in any any tips that you have around that see this notion of what is big and what is small is worth thinking about see what is a small goal sometimes we say oh it's just a small goal uh, all it was was when someone spoke to me and they said a few rough words I didn't react. And we call this a small goal, perhaps. Whereas if it's some very big goal, maybe uh, if I achieve 
this position or this amount of income or this amount of clients, then that's a big goal. But who's to say which is big and which is small? You know, this ability to stay non-reactive, this ability to speak lovingly to a child who is going through some pain rather than react to the pain, these are huge goals. So so the first thing is, uh, I would say, not to be in too much of a hurry to label what is big and what is small. I would say that it's like a yoga stretch. Uh, When you're doing yoga, you want to stretch as much as your capacity and then a little bit beyond it. See, if you stretch within your capacity, then you can't extend the muscle. The yoga is not happening. But by the same token, if you stretch too far beyond your capacity, then you can't do yoga again for the next week. That's also not useful. So what is a big goal for you may be very small to someone else and vice versa. So what's important is to know your capacity and to stretch a little bit beyond it. If it feels that you cannot attain the goal based on who you are today, that it's a little bit impossible, that's the right goal. Okay. Okay. That's a brilliant answer. I think a lot of people listening will be able to receive that in reflection. See, because if, if you are able to attain, if you have a goal and you ask yourself, oh, can I, based on the skills and the mindset that I have today and the resources and the network, can I achieve this goal? The answer is yes. Well, what's the point of the goal? It's, there's no extension. There's no growth that occurs. Now, the answer is no, but through my growth, gaining more resources, more skills, more knowledge, more wisdom, extending my network, then I can achieve it, then that'll inspire you. It'll, you know, you you will rise to the challenge. And the funny thing is, you'll actually be more likely, this is the irony, sometimes we set goals which are within our comfort zone, within what we know we can achieve because we think we're more likely to attain them. It's actually the other way around. If we set something that's a little bit beyond, that, that ignites something inside us gets inspired and gets ignited and has, we have to engage the imagination. We have no choice. And that engagement of the imagination brings the fullness of your being on the journey towards that goal. And that makes it actually more likely to occur. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Cause you're calling on imagination and the biggest sense of you to bring that forward. I love that. See, if you're not inspired by the goal, what hope have you got of inspiring anyone else that you're going to need to come with you to help achieve this goal? Mm, that's so true. So true. And imagination, that's something that we haven't spoken about on mm. the show before. How do you work with imagination in your own process? See, everything's created in the imagination first. Everything that we create in the world is created twice. First, it's created in the imagination and then it's created in the physical world. So it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's something concrete, such as a building, such as a company. First, we have to imagine what it will look like before we can create it, correct? Yeah. And so it's the same when we get a clear idea of uh, something abstract, maybe some qualities we want to inculcate or or live more fully. Uh, First, this thought comes, oh, I want this thing. And the the moment we have it, we have a mental picture or an association of what it feels like, what it looks like, right? So even before imagination, we have to have awareness. If we don't have awareness, we don't even know that that's a quality worth having. See, see I uh, imagine that I see some quality in you, Alana, and I say, oh, yes, Alana's, 
you know, uh, got such a wonderful way of asking questions. I'd like to ask deep questions like her. See, in order for me to even have that intention, first I need to have the awareness of, oh, Alana is asking some good questions, right? Yeah, sure. If that awareness is absent, then I can't even create that in my imagination. So first comes awareness. Second, the imagination creates a, a mental picture of what something will look like. And then third, there's this commitment where we say, yes, this is not just a picture that's going to come in and out of my consciousness. This is something that I actually want to create. And that's where the imagination and our, and our will come together. And we start on a journey towards some new possibility, whatever that may be. Yeah, right. Wow. That's so cool. So cool. And <clears throat> where do I want to? I'm just thinking through because there's so many places we could go in terms of your experience from a eastern because i know you're quite influenced by the eastern perspective as well you have you refer to you have a a master teacher as well um where do you see some of the shifts heading in leadership drawing in all that is like not ignoring what's great in the west but also bringing in what's great in the west and what's happening in the east particularly for some places we are emerging from or living with COVID and there's yeah. a whole new like a hybrid work setting so some of the coming back to the question um the emerging aspects of leadership in the future see where the, the west has been very good is placing an emphasis and defining what are the skills of leadership and what are the outcomes we want and then based on those set of outcomes what are the skills that a leader should have and so you may decide okay if it's a corporation that we have certain profit outcomes, we have certain uh, brand outcomes, we have certain market capitalization outcomes, we have certain competitive growth and market share outcomes. And then if you're smart, you go, okay, well, those, we need three things. We need to know what we're seeking to do and why. We need to know how we're doing it. That's the execution. And if the organization is only focused on management, that's as far as it goes. If the organization is focused on leadership, then the third question gets answered, which is the most important question, in fact, which is not just what are we heading towards and how do we get there, vision and execution, but then capability, which is who do we need to become as people who is going to execute the how that's going to achieve the what. So that's the third component. See, if you have a sports team, uh, business in the corporate world is a lot like sport in many ways. And if you had a sports team, just because you have the right vision, you know, you sit down, you do a lot of visualization about winning, and then you create a wonderful strategy of how you're going to win the game. But see, if your team don't have the capability and they haven't trained and they haven't been coached and you've just picked anyone randomly um, and they don't know how to work together, then this isn't a team that we would like to bet on. See, see we know from sport already that just having the right vision and having the, the perfect strategy is not enough that most of what helps us to win in sport is actually the capability. It's, it's the capability and capacity of those people, both as individuals and to work as a team collectively towards a common vision. And this is the part that gets neglected most often in, in the corporate world. We somehow think that just the right vision and the right execution will be enough. We, we know this is not true. And then 
On top of that, what the West brings is this awareness, which again is happening in sport now, that it's not just about the capability and the skills. Plenty of good teams out there that might have been number one in the world who haven't won. Why? And of course, it's the top six inches. The people aren't present. The people are doing funny things. They're reverting to uh, unhelpful behaviors in times of stress. They're no longer using their imagination on the field. And, and this is where the Eastern dimension of leadership is most important because it helps us with the mindset of leadership. It takes us beyond the things we do, beyond the communication, and it takes us to the essence of, of what leadership is and how to create change in the world. And it gives us that Gandhian perspective that great leadership is about being the change. And it'll say, see, look, you can say all the right things and have all the right framing and have the most wonderful communication and, and have all the right structures and lead one-on-ones and teams very well. But if you're asking your team something of your team that you're not doing yourself, well, any parent will tell you that's not going to work, right? It's like you say to your child, uh, speak nicely to your brother. And, <laughs> right? <laughs> the child's going to copy what you're doing, not what you're saying. So this is what Gandhi meant when he said, be the change. You know, one time I, when I was uh, training leaders, I remember I, I used to do this a lot. I would ask the question, you know, who's a leader that you admire and why? And without exception, uh, people would say, um, this was the most common response. They would say the leader they admired the most was the one who provided an example to them that they wanted to emulate. It wasn't what they said. It wasn't uh, their actions. It was who they were. You know, one person I remember said, oh, I remember this leader as soon as I came into her office, I just felt like I was the only person in the world. Just she was so completely present with me. And I felt I was all that mattered. So these qualities of presence, of being able to be calm through a storm, through being able to manage one's own mindset and negative emotions, through putting an emphasis on being the example to other people, not asking people to have a balanced lifestyle if you yourself are working 80 hours a week. You know, not asking people to look after their mental health or physical health if you yourself are not modeling that. But being the change, you know, having a daily practice so that you can uh, maintain your, your mindset and your alertness. And these things are very important. And we know that, that meditation is actually the, it unlocks that executive uh, decision-making center. It unlocks our, the power of our cerebral cortex. If we look at all, so many studies have been done. Meditation improves communication skills, decision-making skills, um, you know, calm, ability to articulate well, ability to create a sense of calm in others, clarity, focus. All of these things are possible through meditation. And all of these things are the essence of how people define great leadership. So... This is where I see people changing, uh, is firstly, placing an emphasis on the capability, not just vision and execution. And secondly, placing an emphasis on the mindset, not just the skill set. And the third is to place an emphasis on the being of the leader and using tools. See, this is again where the, the East is very strong, not just telling a leader what to be, 
but actually giving them a set of tools, you know, meditation, pranayama, uh, kriya, yoga practice that can help them to achieve that state, which is great leadership. Yeah, right. Wow. I love how you frame that as well. It's quite actionable to like someone could tuning and listening to this could pick up those mm-hmm. pieces and go, why well, I'm going to find more Absolutely. out about meditation as well. Yeah. And I love Daniel also that you touched on meditation because that's something that we have on the show often is we have the opportunity to meditate. And for those who are, who are listening while they're driving, I know a few people listen while they drive that do not do the meditation at that part. You can do it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so before we go into a short meditation, I wanted to thank you, Daniel, for the insights that you've shared. I think you've condensed, I mean, like a whole a whole decades of learning and insight into a short actionable segment which I think is so wonderful and I wanted to also give you the opportunity to share if people want to reach out to you or find out more about you how they can do that yeah best way is through the website so danielbatten.co okay cool so I will hand over to you, Daniel, and if you'd love to lead us onto a short meditation, we, I, I and everyone would be so grateful for that. And I will meditate. So I, I will put myself on mute and participate in the process. Fantastic. So just a few words first. So what I would say is meditation is not concentration. So it'll be a short guided meditation, about 10 minutes. And as you listen to the words, You don't have to make an effort to listen. Meditation is actually where you suspend effort. And now the benefit of meditation is you are able to focus and concentrate more. But whilst meditating, you actually drop that sense of intense concentration and focus. You just allow the words to wash over you and to have an impact on you spontaneously without effort. Okay. So let's close our eyes. And just take a couple of deep, long breaths. Once more, deep, long breath in. And exhale fully. Just keeping a gentle smile on the face. Even if it's artificial, doesn't matter. Just bring your awareness gently to the rising and falling of your abdomen. As you breathe in. And breathe out. Once more, take a deep, long breath in and exhale fully. In 
Incoming breath is energizing the body. And each outgoing breath is relaxing the body more and more. Just become aware of this phenomenon that is happening all by itself without you having to do anything. Feel the gratitude for the gift of your own breath. Keep observing the gentle rise and fall of your abdomen as you breathe in and breathe out. Treat each in-breath as a treasured guest and see each out-breath off with a smile. Relax the neck, relax the shoulders, keeping the spine straight, gentle smile on the face. nothing to know and nothing to do. 
Right this moment, I want nothing. Take a deep, long breath in. And let go all your efforts. You are peace, you are love, you are joy. Once again, take a deep, long breath in and breathe out. And just become aware of your body. And you can stretch your neck and your shoulders. Once again, take a deep, long breath in. And breathe out. And slowly, gradually, when you feel complete from within, you may open your eyes. What an incredibly insightful conversation we had with Daniel just there. I mean, there's a whole toolkit of what uh, Eastern inspired corporate leader can put into practice he's just laid out a map and I'm personally going to take on a lot of that into my own leadership practice so if you love this episode and you would love to share it with your maybe your leader or your colleague you're welcome to do so I'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and share your insight and what you're going to personally put into practice Tag me on Instagram at alana.may, M-A-I, and I will share your post. So you're welcome to leave a review if this podcast moves you. That would be so awesome. And I wish you an incredibly impactful day. Thanks so much for listening.